Wasn't last weekend just a fun week? Baptism services are my favorite, and it's um, super fun to do ministry together. We got a lot going on, um, but that's just really the joy of life, to have people who know you, who care about you. Even if it is your first time here this morning, there are people here who care about you. We want to grow together spiritually, um, and we're here in community for a purpose. Uh, speaking of community and purpose, if you are missing a small group this summer and just feel like something is missing from your life. That's what we all feel like over the summer without small groups. We've got you covered. Uh, our summer series is starting this Thursday. We're going to be digging into some of what the Vineyard believes about the Holy Spirit, giving him the time and the attention that he deserves. So this will be, Steve and I are leading it. Um, there's going to be teaching, discussion, some food, some hanging out, and time to put into practice what we learn. We don't just want to talk about the Holy Spirit. We want to experience Him. So come on out if that uh, sounds interesting to you. Today we are going to be talking about uh, serving Jesus and living a full life despite limits. Who here this morning feels limited by something? Who here this morning feels limited by energy? I mean, I think of what I did in college, and I just think, like, what was I eating? I mean, I, I don't know. Who here feels limited by finances? There are maybe projects, experiences, things you'd like to give to, things you'd like to do, but you have some financial constraints. Who here feels limited by time? The one, the one resource we all have the same amount of? Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of our life trying to escape limits. No energy. Starbucks has a drink for that. Limited by time. They are apps that will help you with this. We want to escape our limits. What are your real limits this morning? What are you struggling with? What do you feel held back by? I think uh, for me, there's some limits around kind of normal things, um, but I've had to accept limits around geography and relationships. When you move hundreds of miles away, it's kind of sad, but you just can't quite maintain. Um, what I'd really love with friends and family, um, I've had to accept the limits of um, my parents aging, uh, aging faster than I would like. But really, time is the limit that I really rail against. I am not typically good at saying no to things. I used to be a horrible over-committer. Uh, marriage has helped me on this. I remember we'd been married for probably like a month or so, and, and um, my husband really loves pie and, and, loves, and knows a lot of people who are very good bakers. So I said, you know what I'll do? Ha <laughs> ha. I will be like the best wife, and I'm going to bake him a homemade pie. Now, also, in the course of that day, I had to go to the library and, you know, write a whole research paper, study, and, like, write a 10-page exegesis paper. After that, I planned to go to the gym, then the grocery store, and then home to cook my husband a homemade pie. I think it was, like, 6.30 at night by the time I made it to the gym or made it to the grocery store in my gym clothes, and I said, okay, I'm just going to grab like a, a can of, of, of pre-made pie crust. I grabbed a, uh, a thing of cherry pie filling. I just slapped the one in the pie tin. I poured in some cherry pie filling. Open-faced pie is still pie, right? I mean, <laughs> right? And my husband very nicely said, you know, it tastes good. Thank you. The next time you have a really busy day, you could, I mean, maybe just 
buy a pie at the store. And I realized that now I had somebody who had a front row seat to my life, and I might have to start accepting some of my limits just a little bit more. I've learned that it really is about prioritizing, that balance is a myth, that doing it all is a lie, but that prioritizing is as close as we can come. Now, many limits are not something that God originally intended for us. Poverty is not part of God's plan. Aging and sickness were never what God intended our lives to be. Pressures and busyness, some of our real limits are a result of living in a fallen world, and God wants to redeem that and change that. But this morning, I submit to you that limits are not something we struggle against, but something we give to Jesus. That our goal is not to erase our limits, but to surrender them. And when we do that, that Jesus flips the script. Jesus redeems our weaknesses. He redeems our ordinariness, our lack. He takes those limits, he accepts them, and opens us up to possibilities that we would have never been able to experience otherwise. So let's pray this morning as we turn to our scripture. Jesus, we thank you that you are here with us, that you see us and you know us, each one of us in our seats this morning, as we drove here this morning, that you see us, you know us, you are with us, and you love us. Would you speak to us this morning through the gift of your word? In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we are going to be in Mark chapter 12. Uh, verses 38 through 44. As Jesus taught, he said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus takes injustice very seriously, and if you are on the wrong side of that, watch out. Jesus sat down opposite the place where they were offering and put where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now, they had this big box, and it had like this metal trumpet thing that, that uh, you put your money in the top of this, and, and it made a lot of noise as it clattered down on into the box. And it was on the outer court, so everyone could see as you came in, and you just poured your money all in and made this nice gratifying sound as all clinked in. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. In uh, Greek, uh, they say it's a lepta, which is 1 64th of a denarius, which was a typical day's wage for a laborer. So these are two coins that are worth, you know, two or, or three bucks total. And she would have put her coins in, just a little clink, clink, barely noticeable. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. There are a couple of ways that we have read this passage, that people interpret this passage. The first and most common way we read this story 
is really praising the widow. Jesus notices this woman. He notices her even though it would have been difficult for other people to even perceive that she was putting money in there. He sees her amazing gift and he sees her for who she really is. God is not greedy. If Jesus wanted our stuff, he would have been happiest with the largest gifts. But he wasn't. He was happiest with the smallest gift. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says that the Lord doesn't see things as people see them. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus notices and commends her generosity. The test of generosity isn't what's given, it's what's left over. She has given everything she had. She put all her eggs in one basket. One theologian said that for the rich, their gifts were small contributions. But for this woman, her gift was a total consecration of her whole life. The value of it is what it cost her. It cost her so much, and it was so valuable. We're reminded of uh, King David, who's just a man after God's own heart. Uh, King David, he was in this situation, and this other king was, you know, impressed with him and wanted to do something good for him. And, And this other king said, David, let me take care of this. I'll pay for the cost of your offering in the temple to God. And David said, I refuse to give God that which cost me nothing. He refused to give God his freebies. And God was pleased with David. David wanted to give God that which cost him something. This woman had the same spirit and God was pleased with her. There's also another way to read this passage. And we'll call this the lament for the widow. Jesus notices this woman for two things, giving everything she had and how little everything was for her. The fact that she had only a couple of dollars to put in was commented on just as much as the fact that she put everything in. What does Jesus actually say about her gift? Does he say, like, you should do this? He says, truly, I tell you, this poor widow put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, fact, uh, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Again, statement, statement of fact. In some passages, Jesus will say something like, okay, everybody, now go and do likewise. Everybody else do the same thing. Or he'll say, great will be your reward. You know, I really like this. This is wonderful. Jesus doesn't make the same kind of value statement here. Jesus doesn't say explicitly that God wanted her to do this. We read this and we do feel Jesus's sadness over her situation. Jesus starts this passage by condemning the religious establishment for failing to take care of widows in fact, for impoverishing widows. So he starts out by saying, you should not have been impoverishing widows. Then we see this widow come onto the scene. She shows up just after he's denounced the scribes and Pharisees uh, for devouring their houses. So we can kind of assume that she represents the the results. She represents the the wreckage of the scribes and Pharisees uh, agreed um, 
and uh, taking advantage of the vulnerable. Um, and we can really see this as we move into chapter 13. Jesus will talk about destroying uh, the temple, talk about the changes that Jesus wants to bring to the religious system. So we can see this, that this is a, a lament on how broken the temple system is, how Jesus wants to care for the poor and not have any poor like this, and how he's, he's saddened that the temple system has allowed this to, to continue. She stands as the, the face of the religious corruption, and Jesus recognizes her and mourns for her situation and loves her in that. I think that that reading the passage this way is, is a fair reading of the text, but I actually prefer a third reading of this passage. I prefer an interpretation that says that this widow's situation is tragic and wrong, and also that her gift is beautiful and good because God's power wraps the two together and Jesus enters her story. I call it a restoration reading. Restoration often takes what is thought of as opposites and marries the two together in the power of God's sovereignty. Jesus is condemning the religious establishment of the time. He stands against injustice every single time, but he's also pleased with her gift. Jesus enters into our poverty. He enters into our limits and he takes what little we have and he makes it over. Jesus came to establish a kingdom where the poor are taken care of, where the poor are given the seat of honor. When Jesus comes and fully establishes his reign, there will be no more poverty. In Jesus' church, there should be no such thing as this woman's situation. So to get some clarity on it, let's look at um, kind of the larger context of Scripture. Let's look at some other stories that shed light on it. I think if we want to understand this woman, um, let's find her some friends and uh, look at their stories. Well, her first friend isn't uh, so much of a friend. It's kind of a complete opposite. In Mark chapter 10, a man comes running up to Jesus, and he says, What must I do to inherit eternal life? I've kept all the commandments since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus loves the rich and the poor. One thing you lack, Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. That's a pretty good invitation there. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This man, he valued his material possessions above what Jesus was inviting him to. His wealth set his spiritual limits. His riches defined how far he was willing to go with Jesus. This woman's lack of riches did not define how far she was willing to go with Jesus. Let's look at another story. Um, this is in Matthew 26, uh, and these women would have been best friends. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? This costly perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. 
Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. This woman took what she had, and she did something extravagant for Jesus. It was uncomfortable. It was not reasonable. It was a too big gift, but it was to prepare Jesus for his coming death on the cross. I think, I think the gospel of Jesus acknowledges limits, acknowledges injustice and poverty and humanness. Jesus became human with us because of who Jesus is. Jesus does mourn. He does lament the fact that this woman only has two coins. But the gospel of Jesus also frees us to move beyond. It frees us to respond not out of poverty, but out of God's abundance. It frees us to live not in spite of our limits, but into the limitlessness of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus calls us into a life of pursuing justice so that no one in a vulnerable socioeconomic position is ever left with so little. Jesus expands what we think is possible, and Jesus brings justice and generosity. A couple of observations about what life looks like when we acknowledge our limits and when God restores us. So first, I think our limits are our limits. This woman had two coins. God did not multiply them into 400 coins, and then she was good. She had two coins. But the possibilities with God, with her limits, were limitless. And I think this is the power of her gift. She gives not to a greedy God, but to a generous God. Two coins would not have gotten her far, maybe bought her food for like a day. But in giving herself to Jesus, this woman didn't like disappear into less and less. She sacrificed, but she grew through her sacrifice. Jesus wants us to experience the fullness of our humanity. He doesn't want this woman to remain just like a poor widow. By giving her possessions to God, she steps into new potential and new possibilities that she would have never known otherwise. Her limits are her limits. Two coins would have gotten her what two coins would have gotten her. But consecrated, given to Jesus, she's open to new possibilities and to new potential. And then second, I think that this woman teaches us to see that everything belongs to God. I think of one of the vineyard pastors in New Haven, and he says, he says, I've never bought a car for myself. He says, you know, I've bought multiple cars. You know, now we've upgraded to a minivan. But I've never bought myself a car. I've bought God a car with God's money, and we happen to be the primary users of that car. So that I, we, we didn't buy ourselves a house. We spent God's money, and we got God a house. So if you all need a place to stay in New Haven, ask God if you can come and stay here. And I just really love that perspective. Uh, when I was living in Ohio, I knew a lot more people who didn't have access to transportation. Um, and I would let them use my car. And you know what? It did not always come back to me in the same form that I had lent it out. But that's okay. That's life. And my sister would drive me places if I didn't have a car for the day. And that sort of inconvenienced her. But 
we, we wanted to do that, right? We're okay with that. Loaning out stuff, you know, especially like a car, um, does cost you something. I can loan out DVDs or a sweater or whatever, right? It doesn't cost me very much. Um, when I was living in Ohio, I had just come back from living in China for a number of years, and um, I realized how differently we here in America view our stuff and our money. We view it as like ours, like mine, individually. Um, in China, uh, people viewed uh, money as really belonging to the family, that if I have something, you know, I share it with, with my family, and uncles and aunts pay for college tuition all the time. If, if I was there, you know, I'd be getting phone calls from my uncle saying, good news, your cousin made it into college. Here's how much money she needs. I'd be like, great. That would never happen here. We don't view money as, you know, our families. We view it as mine. I got it. I made it. It's, it's very individualistic. I think it's good to, like, realize the... Uh, the pool that we're swimming in and the culture that we're, we're in, and it's not the same in other places. And I think that this woman points us to the joy of saying, it's not mine, it's God's. Uh, as this woman is, as she's raised up, as she's opened up to new possibilities beyond the injustice that's been done to her, uh, I just think this is what Jesus is just all about this is the theology that Jesus was born into. Um, when Jesus, his story first started here on earth, as he was conceived, his mother Mary, as it all begins, she says, uh, she says this, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. That's Mary. Jesus was born to an unwed, poor teenage mother, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He has scattered those who are proud in their secret thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. Jesus' mother preaches an upside-down kingdom. Jesus, in his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, preaches an upside-down kingdom. This is just, it's Jesus' theology right here. And it's not just Jesus' theology, it's who Jesus is. In this woman, we see a little bit of Jesus. Jesus became poor for us. He shouldn't have had limits. He shouldn't have had hunger pangs, uh, suffered rejection, suffered death. But he did. He chose to become poor for us. He gave everything. Everything. He put all his eggs in one basket, us. And that gift transformed not just our eternal destinies, but the course of history. In this woman, in her gift, we see the reality of Jesus' sacrificial love. I think we also see something else. Um, worship team, if you guys want to come forward um, as we wrap up, I think in this woman's gift, we also see ourselves. We're limited. We have very little to give to Jesus. We struggle under the uh, effects of oppression and injustice, racism, inequality. We struggle with family baggage and 
the limits of our own mortality and health, financial constraints. We have so little to offer the God of the universe. But when we give what we have to God, he flips the script. We follow a God who became poor for us, and he transforms what we give to him. He makes the last first. This widow, um, when she gave what little she had, everything was changed. Two pennies were not two pennies. They were seeds about to sprout of what God can do with a life totally given to him. They were indictments against the religious system that Jesus was going to shatter. These two coins were the tears over the poverty and suffering of women and children that Jesus was going to bathe in on the cross. When we give our limits, what little we have to Jesus, can make something great out of it. As we move into a time of worship, worshiping through music, what are your limits this morning? What are your two coins, all of your limit that you have to give to Jesus? Let's pray. Jesus, we, we acknowledge who we are and who we are is yours. We belong to you and all of the best of our qualities and the worst of our qualities. We are yours this morning, Jesus. Thank you that you see us, you know us, and you love us. You call us out. You recognize in us what no one else recognizes. You saw this woman and her two coins, imperceptible almost as they were. And you see the best in us, and you call us out in it. We give you our lack. We give you our limits, Jesus. And we look forward to the, the abundance and the power of that gift in your hands. In Jesus' name, would you stand as we move into worship?